0: Welcome, fellow seekers of the extraordinary. Welcome to our shared quest. A quest not for a thing, but for an idea. A quest not for a place, but into deep, inner, unexplored regions of ourselves. A quest to understand how we can achieve our fullest potential by learning from others who have done or are doing exactly that. Extraordinary stories of overcoming anguish people who have stood up to challenges with true courage, stories that will enlighten and inspire. May we always have the courage and wisdom to learn from those who have something to teach. Join me now in Seeking the Extraordinary. Welcome back to the Seeking the Extraordinary podcast. I am Brad Levin, Managing Director with the Colony Group from Calabasas, California, And today, we're in our Los Angeles podcast studio. I'm filling in at the guest host position on behalf of my partner and chief seeker of the extraordinary, Michael Nathanson. Today, it's my pleasure to have the opportunity to interview two incredible women, Catherine Kimmel and Sarah Adolphson. They are the co-founders and co-CEOs of the Artemis Agency. This is a really unique business that helps magnify the philanthropic reach of some of the most influential people in the world. Each of them has deep connections and expertise in Hollywood. Sarah came from her most recent post as executive director for the William Morris Endeavor Agency. And Catherine having extensive experience running philanthropic campaigns for high-profile clients for years before partnering with Sarah to start Artemis. I, in my life, feel that uh, we meet people who come into our lives not by mistake. And it's a pleasure for me to be able to interview today a very dear friend of mine. Catherine, and a newer friend of mine, Sarah. And Catherine, I just want to start off with how you and I met. We were sitting, my wife and I, Jen, were sitting actually at a restaurant bar in Park City, Utah, and sat down next to you and just started chatting and came to realize that we were all from Los Angeles. And that initiated a conversation that led to what's become a really incredible friendship. And it's just been so wonderful to get to know you and spend time with you just over the past, little bit less than a year, in fact. Same.
1: Yeah, no, that was really, so you know how I love food. They ordered something that looked really good. So, of course, I leaned over and was like, what are you having? And it just started this great conversation. And I just knew that we were going to be friends. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so then we, we actually had dinner a couple nights later. And then we reconnected back here in Los Angeles, and Jen and I were so excited to learn more about your business and what you do. And during that conversation, you said, you should really come to Las Vegas in a few months to see Pharrell Williams with me. And we're like, what? Okay, I guess we'll have to do that. So let's talk about the Artemis Agency. You have an incredibly interesting and unique business. And if you would just tell tell us, our audience, in your own words, what is it that you ladies do?
1: Well, I'm going to hand that one over to you. Okay. Catherine says so well.
2: Uh, I, I will. I will do my best. We are the way we describe ourselves to people who don't know what we do is that we are a social impact agency, and we sit at the intersection of entertainment and philanthropy. So our our sweet spot really is the entertainment industry and storytelling. Both of us come from the entertainment business, and I can let Catherine share more about her story. But as you mentioned, I I ran the foundation at William Morris Endeavor Agency. I was there for about a decade helping our celebrity clients do good in the world, whatever that looked like, whether it was giving away turkeys at Thanksgiving or starting their own foundation. And one challenge that I saw in that in that work is that there was no real one-stop shop to send our clients. So they were having their mothers or their former assistants or a cousin or a sibling run their philanthropy, and those folks didn't come from the world of social impacts. Mm, yeah. so they didn't know where to go. And- There, I didn't have anywhere to refer them. I referred them to Catherine a lot (laughs) for fundraising and advocacy, would refer them out to others for strategic planning and then others for PR and different areas of events, different areas of of philanthropy. And Catherine and I sat down one night, had a martini. Why, why, why can't we? And so here we are.
0: Here we are drinking wine.
1: Drinking, yeah, I know. There's a theme. Hey, we met in a bar. Sarah and I built our business. Well, we're just thinking. I think I
0: think that we've only had one interaction together, Catherine, that wasn't involving alcohol. It was always over breakfast, so that makes sense. But all of the others, we've been drinking (laughs) cocktails or wine. It's where the so best ideas funny. happen. You know? So, so was it was it common that your clients at the William Morris Endeavor Agency were philanthropic? A lot of them were, or was was it just sort of sporadic that once in a while you would have somebody that raised their hand and said, "I want to do something of purpose."
2: But I think, generally speaking, everybody's a little bit philanthropic, right? Everybody likes to do something that gives back. But if they came into my office, they they had a different level of passion for the work. You occasionally you would have the one that got in trouble somewhere and needs to walk a red carpet to try to fix their name and their reputation. But I would say ninety nine point nine percent that I would meet with were really looking to do meaningful impact in the world. And my challenge at the agency is I was a team of three and we had five thousand employees that we were trying to support. We had our own company community investments that were in Compton and Brooklyn and Nashville and London, all over the world. So there was only so much that we could do for our clients. And 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 so that's where I had a really hard time. They really wanted to do meaningful social impact. And I didn't have the capacity to do it as much as I wanted to. And it wasn't until Lady Gaga and the Born This Way Foundation came around that I I had an opportunity to dive deep. And and thanks to them, we were able to launch Artemis. They were moving and, and going in a different direction with her business. And they wanted to continue to work with us. And they knew Catherine because she helped launch that foundation. And yeah, I said, Catherine, I have this idea. <laughs> Do y'all want in? And they said yes.
0: Okay. So Catherine, now your turn. Tell your story of your background and how you came to connect up with Sarah.
1: Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, it probably takes us back to a bar, but anyway. <laughs> um, so my story is slightly different. I my background is theater. So I worked at the Mark Taper Forum Theater for years and years um before I started my own impact agency, CKLA. 1999 or 2000. So yeah, so storytelling is everything to me, Mm. and that is how I build my business. And my very first client was Global Green International, which was Mikhail Gorbachev and his initiative to sort of make up for the horrifying things that happened in after the Chernobyl. Wow, um, nuclear disaster. Mm. so belarus was uninhabitable mm-hmm. and i know that like later in the podcast you ask us like what was the best advice we ever received but i'm going to give it now that's okay um because it was walking through belarus with him and he uh, we we're looking at devastation and I just said how how do you stay so optimistic and he said because i'm doing there something there you go and that set me on a path mm. to that led me to sarah and all the work we've done and
0: yeah, that's my story. It's that's awesome. So you went from theatrical production to running philanthropic productions for some of the most influential people in the world. And I've had the the pleasure with my wife, Jen, to be a part of some of those productions that you put on for your clients where they're really making tremendous impact on people here in the United States that are underprivileged and dealing with Tremendous impact, uh, a tremendous causes that p- impact humanity overall. So you're doing incredible work and it's, it's phenomenal that this is, is a, a women founded and women run business that's so unique in the world of American business today. I mean, is there anybody else out there that does what you guys do exactly? Uh,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, they don't, come from the entertainment no, industry, I, which I, I think is the differentiator. Mm-hmm. But you know, there are, there are other great firms doing great work, and we we believe in anybody who's doing that. I mean, we've, obviously we obviously, we're competitive, but we also know that they're also doing great work. Okay. And at the end of the day, that's it. I mean, and, and you mentioned some of the things that you've come to. You came to the Glen Close Bring Change to Mind event. Bring Change your, to Mind, yeah. And we've learned so much from that client because it's changed our lexicon yeah. mm-hmm. about how we talk about health. Like you don't, you can't say like I, they committed suicide because you don't you commit cancer
0: Oh, wow. and it's a, dis- okay, right? yeah. and so
1: we, we have been so blessed by our clients to learn so much from the work that we've done yeah. that I think that's also a differentiator mm-hmm. for us and how close we get to our, to our clients.
0: Got it. So what are some of the biggest causes that your clients feel a tremendous concern about today and are very impassioned about?
2: I mean, we, this is also why I think we both love this work so much is we get to touch so many different yeah. issues. Yeah. I, right now, when thinking thinking through our, our client list, we've got folks in financial literacy. We've got folks in entrepreneurship, clients in mental health, HIV and HIV stigma is, is a big one for a number of our clients. Closing the wealth gap yep. for yep.
1: black and brown people. Yep. It's mm-hmm. something that we, I know as two white women, I know that sounds weird, but it's something that we're very deep into. Okay. Um education. Education. We just built we're building a school, a new school for Pharrell. We have one and we're building another campus. Where is it? Uh Norfolk, Virginia. Really interesting. Going back there? to his backyard. Okay, great. Yeah.
2: yeah. So it's 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 exciting. And as Catherine mentioned, we're always learning.
0: Yeah. And
2: I think that's the joy in this work is the ability to always always be able to tap into something new and dive really deep. We worked on a big campaign last year around adverse childhood experiences which is something I had never heard of before. Um, ACEs is how
1: it's commonly
2: termed. Okay. And it, it's the trauma that happens to you before you turn 18 and the long-term effects that that has on your physical and mental health as an adult. And how do we spread the message about that? Because that's a conversation you should be having with your primary care physician, not just your therapist. Talking about childhood trauma could have an effect on on your heart and and a whole host of other things. So it's that was really interesting to be able yeah. to to get involved
1: in that kind of work yeah. as well. And to be able to amplify it through the Surgeon General of California, mm-hmm. Dr. Nadine Burke Harris with Oprah. Right. We were both a little stuttery on that yeah. Zoom. That was wild yeah. <laughs> we were like literally in Oprah's like you had just had some knee surgery and we were talking about it. We were like, Is this our life? This is uh, believable what we get to experience. And to be able to facilitate that. Yes, exactly. It's
0: incredible the access that you have, but also the impact at the same time. It really makes me wonder. When I think about the people that you are representing, they're some of the most public figures in the in the world, literally. And yet they come to you to help them to magnify their philanthropic impact. Why? Why did they come to you? We're very lucky. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. I mean, the reason we set out to do this is because we want to make sure if anyone's going to make do, do something in the world, do it, do it well yeah do it right, do it, do it based on smart practices, and I think that that was very important to us that if they if it, we want to be able to help those with the platform or the means to do excellent good in the world that they are doing it based on on a deep measurable impact and not just scratching the
1: surface and these people have very busy lives, yeah, yeah I mean they mm-hmm. have three full time jobs mm-hmm. right and so they can't put the kind of attention Mm -hmm. toward the strategy and the thought bread that that's not their job. Their job is to get the word out, make change, right? That's our job to be sort of behind the curtain, figuring out all the details and then just presenting something that they can
0: actually activate on. Got it. So they have the right intention. They just don't know how to actually execute on that intention. And you bring that expertise.
2: Or half the time, like Catherine said, sometimes it's just just a matter of bandwidth.
0: Okay. And I know you can't talk about who all of your clients are, but can you talk about some of the causes? You mentioned a few, but what are some of the others that your clients champion?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I mean, we've been very busy. I was going to say <laughs> yeah. it's during it's, COVID, it got, it got wild. We were very fortunate and enough to work with Jose Andres, more mm-hmm. mm-hmm. central kitchen during COVID. The work that man did and continues to do. If he doesn't get the Nobel Prize this year, I don't know what they're thinking. Is he nominated? Um, I, I think that he, I, I shouldn't say that, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. but he absolutely figured out how to do disaster relief way ahead of like FEMA and other organizations. Mm-hmm. And so it's been extraordinary. And they just opened up a school for him at George Washington University uh, as a school for public policy, food policy, and he'll be mm-hmm. an adjunct professor there.
0: That's amazing. I mean, if, if the audience that here you were mentioning Jose Andres, who's One of the most famous chefs in the world and he has incredible restaurants, but it's, it's amazing to watch sometimes the way an individual can rally around them such, such leadership and then, and then people following through and delivering on incredibly needed resources at the right time where governments and government agencies Falls so short.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, wait, and it's the soulful work. Like, it's what you were asking Like why do these yeah. people want to do what they do? And I remember seeing Jose during Hurricane Maria when he was on at Puerto Rico with a bandana around his head. Palm trees were snapping and blowing away behind a paella pan, and he was just feeding people. Wow. And so that was, I mean, it's these people are like angels and unicorns in a way because they're so inspired to do what they do. But then like someone like Sarah comes along and does like a great strategy for them. That's Sarah's expertise. Okay. I've never seen anybody do <laughs> a strategy better than Sarah can. Awesome. And there's a lot of strategies that sit on shelves. Yeah. But our clients have us actually see the strategies through, Okay. which is pretty amazing.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah I mean, no, no one has time to yeah. implement entirely new strategies. So we like to work within their existing framework and how can we make little tiny changes over the course of two, three years that will help you get into a better, more efficient, more productive path and be able to measure your impact and be better about telling your story, which that Catherine's the storyteller. So we, we really, yeah, we, yeah we, we have a great partnership and we mm-hmm. complement each other really well. And then I think like another interesting cause that we've been very involved in is it, around HIV stigma. We, we did a lot of work around uh, decriminalizing HIV. Mm. There are laws, I think it's now 29 states. It was 33 when we started. I think we should take all the credit for those four states, but uh, there was a lot of people involved. But we, we, we were able to work with the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation. They're spearheading this national campaign to turn over these laws in all these states that essentially criminalize people for their HIV status. And a lot of people are. It's a lot of kind of a he said, he said, he said, she said type of case where someone can end a relationship and the 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 scorned lover might go to the police and say they were hiv positive and they never told me that they had the virus oh wow and they tried to give it to Mm -hmm. me yeah and and there's there doesn't have to be any proof of transmission and that person can go to jail we know we have this great story this gentleman robert subtle true not crime is the series on youtube check it out Mm -hmm. that tells the story of these people and robert was sent to jail for six months and is now branded a sex offender. Everywhere he goes, oh he gosh. has to he has to call in and, and
0: report that. That's crazy. So when you said decriminalizing HIV, I was puzzled. I'm thinking, like, I have no yeah, right. idea what this we is. Didn't either, I didn't even know that HIV it. was still really a thing yeah. here in the U.S. Yes. So, gosh, just the fact that there is any sort of criminal... Liability associated with that is just so foreign.
2: And it just it just furthers the stigma. So now people really don't want to get tested because if they know they're HIV positive and they're in a state where they can be imprisoned for their status, rather not know. So in the southern U.S., people are still actively dying of AIDS because the stigma is so high. So we've had the privilege of working on a number of campaigns to change the stigma in the South. And had the great privilege. I know we were like, we're not going to talk about names, yeah, but this is all in the media. <laughs> this- so we had an opportunity to work with Little Nas X okay. in spreading the message and message of, of hope and positivity around HIV. And he managed to work the cause into his VMA performance. When was this, 2019? Yeah. No, 2021. In 2021, because yeah. it was still a little COVID-y. Yeah. And, and it was exceptional. He brought someone from Southern AIDS Coalition onto the stage. Everyone's dressed in pink. Mardriguez Harris, Harris is the the representative of the cause is in black, and the prison numbers it was a prison scene okay. on the back of his of his jumpsuit represented the number of people living with HIV in the south wow. and then so we got tons
1: of press I oh got like 1.4 billion press yes yeah. it's
0: yeah. amazing. I'm just astonished hearing some of these stories because when you mentioned some of these names, historically I would have had no idea that they were such champions of these major causes. And the media certainly doesn't focus on that. Right. And the media tends to just gloss over the impact and really focuses on the personalities. And so we get the impression that people that are in in entertainment, especially the highest of celebrities, are really kind of self-absorbed and they really don't care about other people. But that's not truly the case because you see the opposite of that.
2: Totally. Oh, it's the best part yeah. of our job. Little Nas after that. Yeah got so engaged in the cause he went on to raise over half a million dollars for very small grassroots charities in the in the South who are working to fight HIV stigma and provide resources to underserved communities. So it's mm. like, those are the things where you go like, he, that, he deserves an award for that. I mean, yeah. his music's phenomenal, but yeah. Yeah. that's the kind of stuff that is that, that deserves more attention. That's
0: awesome. So these stories really make it come to life for me. Do you have any other stories you could share about some of the impacts that your clients have had on individuals or, or communities or organizations that you can speak to?
1: And so many, I mean, gratefully, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, going to Africa and spending the amount of time there that I have for one of our major clients that only works in Africa and bedding ourselves in a refugee camp. I mean, seeing all the ext- I mean, you, you, we come from lives of such extraordinary privilege. Yes. And that is always what rings so true for me. We get to experience these things where you see how other people live. Yeah. And you will never take another day of your life for granted ever again. And that, I think, is one of the greatest gifts of our of our work. Mm-hmm. Because we yeah. have seen so much struggle and sadness
0: firsthand. I can only imagine. And you mentioned this was an experience in which you were in a refugee camp in Africa. Now, you've told me the story, so expand a little bit on that. How long were you there?
1: I was there for, oh, my gosh, not longer than a couple of weeks. But they had a cholera outbreak Mm -hmm. while we were in the refugee camp. And so we sort of got to, they sort of ferried us away to another side of the camp. But we got to see how they dealt with this cholera outbreak. And you see the cholera beds that basically have holes in them with buckets underneath. it. Like you can't imagine
0: what? Um,
1: what life is like in harder places. Yeah. And so when we go, you know, to other countries and we visit it and you hear like the, you know, the ugly man, I don't want to say the other, but you know what, like people aren't appreciative of what they yeah. they have. Um, I do think that that is my my greatest legacy and takeaway is that I've seen these things and they tell the stories. So that other people know.
0: I mean, having that experience, you were not a tourist. You were really there, living the life alongside these people, and really experiencing what they're experiencing. You weren't just going there for a day and then going back to your five-star hotel. <laughs> so you were really immersed in this experience, and that's that's incredible. And you talked about how privileged we are, and. And and we have an appreciation for this because we get exposed to what life is really like. I think that that's really tough for the younger generation. And this is something that I talk to my kids about all the time, about being grateful for what they have. And I know you have adult kids. And I'm just curious how your experience of the work that you've done and the involvement with your clients has helped shape your relationship with your children and what, what they have learned from you because of your involvement.
1: Oh, I, I just hope they know to be kind, and generous. The the best way to get through a dark day is to help somebody else. Yeah, and that's that's the mantra. Like, wow, you feel really bad? Help somebody, because mm-hmm. you're gonna feel better. And also, I mean, it's interesting because since George Floyd, since all of these COVID and all the stuff has come to light, there are also people in our that are next door that are struggling in the same way. People are. We worked with FRAC, the Food Research and Action Committee in D.C. And we learned what hunger in this country looks like. Yeah, and it doesn't look like what you think it does. Mm. And that was a really profound mm-hmm. lesson. It's your neighbor. It's mm-hmm. so yeah. They may have a job and a car, but they're they're not. Eating. Yeah. Like in that, and that so all the and so just sort of talking to them about that, like that does that person might not have. food that you have.
0: Well, that reminds me. I remember during COVID. I was I was reading about the school lunches and the breakfasts and had no idea that there's so many children around the country that rely on those meals yeah. to yeah. get fed mm-hmm. and with that not being provided they were missing out on nutrition yeah it's amazing and we were talking earlier about the fact that we both grew up here in the San Fernando Valley And for a number of years, I've been involved with an organization that we've helped out locally called MEND, Meet Each Need with Dignity, which is all about addressing the needs of impoverished people right here, 20 minutes away from where we're sitting right now. People who have been living in somebody else's garage, not just by themselves as an individual, but a whole entire family of four or five or six people. And you just don't think about this, especially when we live in areas that are affluent and upscale that it's so close. We we are so close from being just like these other people that we're separated by just a little thread. And that's, and we have to be grateful for that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So with everything that you get exposed to, you see a lot, you get exposed to a lot of different causes that your clients champion. From your perspective, what are some of the, the greatest crises that we face today as a country or as? human race
1: woof <laughs> uh, this is the stuff that
0: drives us to the bar
1: i mean ones that are solvable or ones that are just let's talk ins-
0: about the ones that are solvable
1: hiv stigma mm-hmm. is solvable
2: mm-hmm. i think financial the financial yeah. illiterate illiteracy crisis that we're facing is yeah. solvable there's only 11 states i think of this is my last at last check it might have changed since then that that enforce it in schools who have to teach financial literacy it's only 11 states and I mean, what's our what's our national credit card debt? We're in the trillions now. I mean, this That's is the highest
0: ever, actually. Yeah. 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 Uh,
2: and I think that if we can just start teaching it at an early age, we can probably fix that in our lifetime.
0: Now, let me ask you, in terms of financial literacy, what's the threshold? What What's the bar that they set where they say we are covering this? Do you have an idea what that content's like?
2: I don't, but I encourage folks to check out the Singleton F- Foundation for Financial Literacy and okay. Entrepreneurship. They're, they're an excellent resource and client that we work with, obviously, that are creating content around this topic. And mm-hmm. they have, they have a, a tool called Groove that helps people. It's almost like Noom, that weight loss okay. a- app, oh, yeah. but it's for financial literacy. So you're slowly changing your habits over the course of time so that you can little steps that help you improve things to help you budget better or save more or pay off that debt. And then they have a whole s- host of content that's absolutely incredible that helps you engage with the topic more deeply. And they
1: made it entertaining. Yeah. Like they hired people from DreamWorks yeah. to run this thing. Oh, that's yeah. cool. so, Richard Sherman's teaching adulting. you how to get a car loan. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's but great but with football terms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, <laughs> So it's it's entertaining content around financial literacy, which doesn't seem Congress. But
2: I would also say political polarization yeah, yes. is one. We we were involved with a group called Bridge USA, which is a student-led movement. I think I think all of our gen we're already we're we're gone. Well, yeah. But but the next generation uh, does not like what they're seeing, and they are working on college campuses seventy college campuses at the moment to create more respectful discourse around around. What's happening around politics. Well,
1: and solving career pathways. Yeah. Okay. Not everybody wants student debt. Yeah. And not everybody has to go to college. Yeah. To That's do what right. what they really want to do. Yeah. So one of the biggest family foundations in the world that we work with is completely focused on trade schools, like trying to get alternative pathways into career building. So you've got us started now, Brad.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's amazing because I, I was actually talking with my wife, Jen, and our kids just this last week about, I had a conversation with my son just yesterday about this, actually, this whole issue of college. He's 17 years old. He's going to go to school. He's He's gone through the application process now. And we're slowly getting in the responses. But the reality is so many people feel cheated today. Like they're going to school. They're graduating with a ton of debt. They're coming out And they're finding a hard time getting a job or they're getting jobs that in no way are they going to be able to pay back this debt for decades. And so a lot of people have gotten a raw deal. And at the same time, many of us in this country can't perform some of the activities that we need to take care of for ourselves and our homes, fixing things, repairing things. So we're hiring people all the time. And I actually heard another podcast Just a few days ago, this guy was saying, if you if you wanted to get a if you wanted to start a job as an electrician in my town, you could make half a million dollars a year really quickly. Yeah. And it's amazing that we are just not producing those people in America. And what we were told for a long time was that we had a population that was too blue collar. Mm -hmm. So we needed to professionalize our population to get ready for the service economy. And I guess we've done such a good job of that that we don't have anybody to fill skilled labor jobs at this point.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, we one of our clients who I absolutely love is Carly Kloss. Okay. And she has a organization where they teach young women and gender nonconforming youth to code. It's to code. free to code. Seventy-nine percent of the scholars that go through that program go into computer science. Wow, and they are highly employable first of all they're they're female or genital performing, so very attractive to yeah. companies and they get they do they get a skill set that is going to be a huge entree for them for the rest of their lives so and that's she has been doing it for years, and there's now i think seven or eight thousand scholars out there, which is amazing
0: now when when a client comes to you first of all, I'm assuming you get not advertise how do people find you?
1: Word of, of my mouth. mouth, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you get referred by your other clients. Yeah. yeah. And do they come to you and say, this is the cause that I want, that, that I have a cause and I want your help in supporting this cause? Or do they come to you and say, I, I want to do something, but I'm not really sure what can you help me figure this out? It's both. It's yeah. both. It's okay. both.
2: Yeah. yeah. Or I have a cause yeah. right? Oops, I started yeah. a foundation. Yeah. Now, where do I take it? Because it,
0: it's personal usually to yeah. them.
1: If they want I'm to do thinking, something, it's usually yeah. very
0: personal. And it probably comes from their own upbringing. They they want to yeah. address something that was a pain point for them or part of their life experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they want to give back.
2: Or oh, there's a medical condition that they got or a child or family member has that they say, how do I change this? And how yeah. do I help other families like mine? Yeah. And sometimes it's just anger. Yeah. I I turned on the news. I cannot believe that this is happening in the world. Where do I, how do I channel this energy? What can I do?
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you another question. You are both really hard-charging career women. You run a successful, very busy business. I'm sure it's really demanding on your time. How do you find balance in your lives? Do you? It helps helps that we're very good friends. Yeah. So part of the work is is the fun.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I we yeah, love so, our team. We yeah. have a team that's really, really tight. I mean, I think from my, I mean, my, my children give me my greatest perspective oh, on that. Yeah. Um. I, I, yeah, they balance me all day long.
0: Okay. That's great. I
1: just, I, I, I,
2: setting boundaries. It took me a long time to actually figure out how to do that, but yeah. really being intentional about, I want to get my workout in, in the morning. Yeah. So, I'm, it's booked. It's on the calendar. No one's bothering me during that hour. She's way better at that than I am. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I would think that that's got to be especially tough with your clientele setting boundaries because they've got to be people that expect that things are going to get done when they want them to be done. Yeah.
1: Well, at time zones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of our clients are in Europe, some are in Africa. It's,
0: and you adjust sometimes.
1: Okay. They'll take a 7 a.m.
2: call, but then I'm going to work out from at 10. (laughs) Then I'm off, I'm offline for the next hour afterwards. But yeah.
1: But if, it seems to work most of the time.
0: Let's talk a little bit about, about finding purpose. And and this is very near and dear to us at The Colony Group. We are a wealth and business management firm. Our clients are oftentimes successful current entrepreneurs or former entrepreneurs. Some of them are entertainers and celebrities and some of the professional athletes. And at our job is really about helping them to elevate their own experience of enjoyment and fulfillment in their lives and and oftentimes reach a higher level of purpose and so a lot of times philanthropy naturally becomes part of the equation of the work that we do, mm-hmm. and oftentimes as well, we have opportunities to kind of coax our clients to be philanthropic when they might not otherwise be naturally inclined, and the issue comes down to taxes. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have clients that are selling a business or they're selling a piece of property that's been highly appreciated. They're selling a portfolio of stock and they've got a lot of taxes to pay. We can help. And they say, Brad, what do we we (laughs) do? We know you can help. And we love that. We love encouraging our clients to take advantage of the tax opportunities that exist to enable them to be more philanthropic. I mean, one of the simple tools that we recommend for our clients is a donor advised fund, an account that we can create for them in which they can fund money either at one time when they have a big taxable event. They can put in a chunk of money in there to help reduce the tax, or they can do that on an annual basis. And people that naturally like giving, one of the consequences of doing a lot of little donations is when it comes to time for taxes, you've got a lot of little receipts that you've got to collect and report. Mm -hmm. But when you do a donor advised fund, you have one source that you're making those donations out of. You go online to your account, you request a grant, check it set out to your charity of choice, and then there's no more accounting that needs to be done because you're getting a tax deduction in the year you're making your contribution. Do you find a lot of wealthy donors that you work with utilize vehicles like this as, as part of their funding of the donations that they make? Oh, for sure. I mean, all the
1: products that you offer at yeah. Colony, mm-hmm. they yeah. definitely utilize. Yeah. Um, but I would like to turn that back on you. Yeah, to you. Sure. What are you seeing your clients interested in like what what makes them angry what what have you seen any sort of engagement around any particular cause in the last couple of years?
0: I think the real big ones I mean it, this is not a cause it's a it's a problem, and, and we recognize this is a this is a pervasive issue, just like the political divide in this country and how divisive it is, and how a lot of people feel like we are not really that divided as a population. It's the politicians that are dividing Mm us and they want to find a common ground. Um, But aside from that, uh, people feel very impassioned about climate change and the impacts Mm -hmm. of that. And I think a lot of people are trying to make good decisions. I think a lot of times we question, what are the right decisions? It's like, well, I'm going to recycle. I'm going to start there. I'm going to drive an electric car. And then we question, well, are we actually making a positive impact because of those choices? Or we may be actually not making an impact. We're making a wrong impact. But one of the things that we find that people want to do when it comes to their investing, a lot of people say to us, I want to invest in a way that I'm exercising my dollars in the direction of the causes that I care about. I want to be more oriented around sustainability and and I want to avoid investing in certain things. Like, for example, I don't want to support tobacco. I don't want to support munitions or gambling or alcohol, for better or worse. But and so we want to provide opportunities for them to be able to exercise their clout, their economic clout in the direction that they want. And and a lot of people also in terms of causes, they're very concerned about children. They they want to make an impact on charities that support children, mm-hmm. especially in under underprivileged areas. And then cancer is the other big one. And this is the probably the biggest one because it affects so many people of all different economic strata. Sure. And that's just the reality. I mean, we see people just getting impacted by cancer all over the country. Mm-hmm. And actually it's much higher in the United States than many developed countries around the world. Yeah. Right. And it touches all of us. I mean, my wife is a cancer survivor. We talk to people almost every single week they're being impacted by cancer. So that that's a cause that a lot of people wanna to donate to. But I think what really gets me excited is when I say to somebody, You're going to pay a lot of money in taxes, but you have a choice. You have a choice to let the government decide how that money is going to be spent, or you can advocate where your money is going to be directed to by putting money into a charitable fund or setting up a trust or creating a family foundation. And then they get excited about being able to flex their muscles for giving and feeling like they can be very impactful. And it's part of the legacy that they're creating.
2: Totally. Totally, I think that I think the only challenge with DAFs, and I, I I think they're the absolute that's the best model yeah. as far as I'm concerned, is that too often then the money just sits there yeah. for too long, right? And there's so yeah. many amazing yeah. charities and organizations yeah. that are desperate for. $10,000, yeah. right? Yeah. Just a small amount can go so far with some of these organizations. Yeah. So I think just nationally, that's that's the only challenge that exists yeah. right now with DAFs. I think it's like $800 billion. It's just sitting there. It's and donor the funds,
0: $800 billion. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The, the numbers that's are staggering. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. And especially during COVID, they got huge. Yeah. And then they're, yeah. And during George Floyd and all, when everything yeah. felt like they needed to, and the money has not been deployed. Yeah. It's crazy. Just
2: remember, you got that fund. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. Right. <laughs> that thing. Put to people. Yeah. yeah.
0: So how, do, how do you get involved directly with possible donors? Like how do you actually raise money for? the organizations that your clients. Yeah, well, that is
2: Catherine.
1: That's yeah.
0: that's the storyteller, right? Yeah,
1: I can do the strategy. She is yeah. a, a yeah. magical human yeah. being when Thank it comes you. to that. It, it, it is. It's the storytelling and it's making everything relatable because we're all human beings well, having it. a human yeah. experience. Oh, yeah. And that's as, as long as you understand that. I mean, when I talk about a small school in Norfolk, Virginia, yeah. I expect people's eyes to glaze over. But when they hear Pharrell say, we're going to assess kids differently, the mm-hmm. things that he he tells the story very publicly, so I don't mind sharing here, yeah. that he, he grew up in Section 8 housing, mm-hmm. and it was literally called the Atlantis Apartments. You can't make this stuff up. Um, and he has friends that are in jail, friends that, you know, just didn't make it. Um, Jeff Cannon, our board chair, talks all the time about how the neighborhood that he grew up in, there's nobody else alive his age. Oh my gosh. In. So the sacrifice to the African community and Is so sort of perverse when you really think about it. You tell that story and you hear Jeff Canada. I don't know if you saw the film Waiting for Superman. He's super. I do. Yeah. Say, wow, my, my peers are not alive. Wow. Wow. And you can do something now tangible to fix that. It's not like climate change. Climate change is harder. I've worked in climate my whole life. Mm -hmm. It's my, that is my, Heart, my soul, Yeah, it's harder. That you do at the ballot box, I think. Yeah, That's where you can exactly. really make change around yeah. climate change is who you vote for. Yeah, totally. And I'm wondering if your clients, Brad, do we have time for more Brad question? Sure, um, <laughs> sure. If your clients look into like supply chain, do they care about that? Because we work with Chobani and their supply chain is incredible. It's all refugees. Um, I didn't know that. They walk the talk. Yeah. I mean, Hamdi, their CEO is probably yeah. like one of the most brilliant CEOs in the world. Um, because he literally, he turned a yogurt into a multi-billion dollar company, but he also did it the, like by doing the right thing. So, wow. Yeah. So I think right. a
0: lot of our clients care about that. They just don't know what they don't know. Right. Yeah. And, and a big part of where we want to move forward and actually be more impactful with our clients is bringing them education and content to show them what they don't know and what some of the most important causes are and how they can actually be impactful either through their donations or even through investing in sustainable businesses. There's a perfect example right there, Shobani, and, and others where there's a tremendous economic opportunity. This is not just about throwing money towards something that's not going to be economically productive. Because a lot of people have said to me over the years, honestly, Brad, that's nice. That's nice. We, we care about those things, but we want to make money. Sure. And the reality is, like, we know from from what I have learned that there is at least a $10 trillion opportunity to address some of these major existential issues or also some of the major things that affect us as Americans and as humanity, such as the divide economically between the haves and the half-nots and the disparity of the educational levels, that addressing these issues is a tremendous economic profitable opportunity. And our clients care about that. And so it's educating them about what the issues are and how to address them that we need to uh, be more uh, participatory in. And these are the things that we want to learn more and more about how we can bring these opportunities and education levels to our clients.
1: I mean, it's interesting. Sarah is pointing on one of a, a corporate partner of ours and they're a massive shipping company. And no one knows that they have employed these like sound waves or something in their shipping channels where the whales don't come. Wow, so they're not killing dolphins and whale. like this. This yeah. sort of sound wave technology, yeah. that they've employed. And we're like, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, are they still shipping and polluting? Sure, but at least they're not. <laughs> we're I making progress. They're making progress. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that's and that's what you want to see. in like, yeah. yeah. the corporate world, right? We're trying well,
0: Let me ask you: What's the biggest aha uh-huh that you've had in your professional experience?
2: Such a challenging question, I know, right? I the work that we do is all. Every moment is an aha yeah. uh-huh moment. I mean, I would. I I was we were talking about this yesterday, yeah. so I'm a little prepared. For me, it's it's how little you need to do to make a big difference. Wow. I used to work run the foundation at WME, and we ran a mentor program. We had a school that we adopted in Compton, and so we partnered some of our agents with kids at the school. We thought it was just a nice thing to do temporary. We'll have the kids come to the office once yeah. a month. We'll feed them lunch. They can play pool in the music division because they yeah. all had all the games up there. And I didn't think I thought that was it. Right. I thought was this is a nice connection. This was, God, probably eight, nine, probably nine years ago now. And many of those agents are still working with those kids. Those kids are in college now. Some of them have some of these agents have paid for their college education. I had dinner with one who said, oh, yeah, no, my mentee comes to my house once a week because she's studying for law school. So I have her over and we sit in the yard and we pour a glass of wine and I help her with her studies. So cool. And like that, that that connection has happened just from a little thing that we did at the office. Yeah. All we had to do was pay for sandwiches and a bus.
0: That's amazing because I think that people oftentimes think the opposite. Like I'm only one person. So what can I really do? Yeah. Catherine, what about you? Oh, goodness. Putting on the spot.
1: Yeah, no, probably just like I'm the, just the power of remaining optimistic. Hmm. Like I, I don't I don't think I knew before how important that is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I am an internal optimist. My mother tells me that <laughs> yeah. way. But just the the joy that I find in this work every day because I feel like we will, yeah, like get somewhere mm-hmm. at some point. It was so great to watch the election because just last week, because Gen Z doesn't come out. No. They came out in drones. Really? Last Tuesday. Well, they yes. care. They care about yeah. rights to their bodies. They care yeah. about the climate. They care like, the things that, I, I have so much hope in this next generation. Oh, good. Oh, my God. I have a 24-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And I look at his generation, I'm like, wow, that's, I have a 28-year-old who, even just the four years between them, they have such different issues. Wow. To deal with. But it just gives me the hope. And the, Sarah referred to Bridge bring USA yeah. and these young people activating on college campuses. I'm like, we are going to move the needle. We're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like an aha moment that you, you're you like, well, we,
0: we can't. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Okay, the last few minutes, we're going to get into our segment that we call Extraordinary Teaching. So this is going to be a series of just rapid-fire questions.
1: Seeking the Extraordinary presents
0: Extraordinary
1: Teachings, a deeper look at the qualities that allow people to do extraordinary things.
0: So hopefully those will be quick answers, but what's your most (laughs) most satisfying accomplishment in life so far?
2: I, I'm finishing grad school while working full time. Okay. Starting
1: a business while raising my children.
0: Okay. Awesome. What single tip would you offer that has helped you be your most extraordinary self? What's helped you be your most extraordinary self?
2: These, I can't. These are,
0: yeah, these like, are, what, what are these? It's like a fire. like, what, I'm sorry, what, what was, what, last? what single tip would you offer that has helped you be your most extraordinary self?
2: When I follow this advice to myself, yes. trust your instincts. Every time I do, Great things happen.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. Family first.
0: Okay. Maybe an easier one. Who were your key role models or mentors?
1: Oh, my goodness. How lucky are we to have the ones we've had? I was say, well, for me, Al Gore. Wow. was a-
0: That's a big tremendous. one.
2: Oh, God. Poor Ron Adolph <laughs> <Derek>, My dad.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. I mean, just because just whoever brings you to your- I mean, my, my mother, obviously, who's no longer with us, who trained me to be uh, mm-hmm. an optimist. Yeah, for sure.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Do you have a personal mission?
1: Like a mission?
2: It's always be kind. Yeah. Always be kind. It's very hard to do, but it it, it can change the world. You talked about this yeah. earlier, didn't
1: S- it? Spread joy. Yes.
0: What do you hope your legacy will be?
1: Oh, my God, that we did great things, but we had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, we
0: <were laughs> having, fun having fun is key. Very What's quick it story. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: it, it is kind of along the lines of being uh, kind. A, a, a dear former colleague of mine, mm-hmm. Ivan Bart, just recently passed away. Mm-hmm. And he... He is who we all should strive to be. He ran IMG Models. He changed the face of modeling, especially in the last two decades. And he, he you, you would never know his status in life or in his career because he treated everybody yeah. with so much love and respect. And he listened and he had empathy and he was just an incredible human being. And and that's the kind of legacy I want yeah. to leave too. I just want to know that the people I came into contact with were felt that I heard them and oh, I cared.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Very last question is: What is something on your bucket list? What's one thing on your bucket list that you can share?
1: Oh my goodness! I mean, I know I have some. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm one of those people. I've been so lucky. I've done.
0: You've done it all. I
1: mean, I yeah. I mean, through our work, we've had yeah incredible some incredible experiences. List yes. Yes, I mean, yeah. I I continuing to do amazing, fun adventures with my. Like adult children, because we're telling yeah. them so much in this phase. It was funny. Sarah was saying, we were talking about like our greatest achievements or whatever at the office. She's like, why do you keep saying adult children? And I'm like, because it's not, it's not work.
0: Okay. It's just yeah.
1: joy. And I love them. And we're such good friends. And we went to Iceland. We, we just, we've had so much fun together and in our extraordinary That's awesome. privilege that we've had to be together. Yes. But yeah, no, I think, that, and then solving
0: the climate crisis would be great. Just one little issue. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, what about you?
2: I, I ran for city council last year in West Hollywood, uh, and I didn't win, and which is good. I was not ready for, for it. it. But I think when I am ready for it, I'd like yeah. to. I'd like to take a serious run at city council again for West Hollywood. I don't. I don't have big political aspirations, but but community.
1: Now I could see you having bigger political aspirations. No, but I at don't know. Point. I'm good. Thank you. Okay. well. That's. <laughs> not... Yeah. No. She. She. Sarah yeah. is very much about public service. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, oh. and she likes she's going to leave here and go to a meeting for West Hollywood Human Services Commission. Yes. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you both for spending this time with me today. This has been great having this opportunity to chat with you both. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the extraordinary Catherine Kimball and Sarah Adolfson, the CEOs and founders of the Artemis Agency. And you can learn more about the Artemis Agency at theartemis.agency. And you can also follow them through social media. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. And thank you to our sponsor, The Colony Group. The Colony Group is a national wealth and business management company with offices across the country that itself seeks the extraordinary as it pursues its underlying mission of providing clients with peace of mind and empowering their visions of tomorrow. To learn more about The Colony Group and how it manages beyond money, visit us at thecolonygroup.com. You can also follow The Colony Group on social media links, LinkedIn, and on Twitter at The Colony Group. For Seeking the Extraordinary, I'm Brad Levin. You can follow me on LinkedIn and at Twitter at Brad A. Levin to learn more about our ongoing search for the extraordinary.